0: I'm Tai Tay, the Bayou Bay, and you've just arrived in my waterway. Welcome to the first complete episode of the Sinking City Sailing Ships podcast, reporting live from the city between the river and the lake. Each episode, I'll give you a few tidbits about myself as we get to know one another. I am a published scientist and a proud fisherwoman. I really consider myself an all-around outdoors woman, and my intention is to better connect y'all to the the great out allow me to provide y'all with the coastal culture let me learn you something about sportsman's paradise please hear me out because while i'm not by you things are truly savage now i've mentioned several times new orleans being the city between the river and the lake let's get into the significance of where we are located most cities don't have what we have it's truly a privilege we take for granted not being landlocked and having access to waterfronts at multiple sites is one of those things that makes us so unique and influences our culture think about the port of orleans now consider all the value all the valuables that float up and down the river in and out of the port on a daily basis think about how we have some of the best and freshest seafood so much so that companies have trucks come here to make a 12-hour straight shot back to where they came from just to be able to say that they have fresh Louisiana seafood. Louisiana is not a poor state by any stretch of the imagination. The potholes and floods we deal with is largely due to how those funds are distributed in Baton Rouge. We have hundreds of millions in our economy. Don't forget the oil and gas industry. Am I getting you to turn on and reach for uh, that thinking cap yet? So yeah, the money is here. It just may not be where you reside depending on what parish you're in. And what's kicks, what's ironic is that our industries that do us the most good economically also bring us some of our greatest struggles, challenges, and woes. Oil and gas and fisheries are our bread and butter. However, the oil and gas affected our fisheries and they're still recovering. Maybe you haven't noticed because you're still able to get your crawfish, oysters, and redfish, but I imagine you noticed a rise in prices over time, if nothing else. And as someone that tries to get out on the water as much as possible, I assure you the changes in their habitat and, and their activities are definitely very noticeable. I mean, firstly, so many boat launches are simply in no condition to be used, or you take your chances and run the risk of damaging your trailer or your boat. There's so many fishing spots I haven't been to since Katrina simply because the boat launch is in disrepair, or the fishing spots they lead to are simply not as productive. Delacro, Violet, they're just not what they used to be. So yeah, I got out of my way to... I go out of my way to get to the better and kept launches for several reasons. To keep an eye out and monitor changes in the marshes or out by the rigs. To represent black and or female boaters and fishers. For personal practice, for spiritual healing. Like I said, it really is a privilege to have been born here. To be a seven generation native. But it is also very saddening believe it was naturalist and philosopher Aldo Leopold that said, having an ecological, ecological perspective is like living in a world of wounds. lot of that ain't the truth. Knowing what I know means I'm always in pain. I'm always suffering in reality. Shout out to the Buddhists. I don't have peace because I know what's happened and happening to our fisheries, to our marine and estuarine environment. I know what's happening to our clean water supply. I know what's happening to our clean air. I know what's happening to our forests, to our coastline, to our flood protection system. By the way, please clean the catch basins near your home. Do yourself and your neighbors a favor. So while knowing what I know is painful, I'd still prefer to know than to not. You don't know what you don't know, and you definitely can't help what you're not aware of if everybody just swept their own front porch the whole world would be a cleaner place right please let me remind you i'm just here to arm you with the tools the tools necessary to be a responsible resident here to be responsible to the whole great out chill so pick up this big knowledge toolie and let's get active little mama one example of getting active was when i participated and a tire pickup in New Orleans East we picked up we picked up enough tires to fill at least one uh, semi-truck trailer you know the 18 wheeler tra- yeah we filled up one of those and we didn't even come close to putting a dent in the tires that are still out there roughly somewhere under between 70 and 100,000 tires but um but it was a definitely a valiant effort So if you live here, and you're bored, you're not really bored. There's plenty that can be done, and plenty to do, but I digress. Going back to this knowledge being painful, I'd rather you know in pain than not know in disillusion or misillusion. We got us. We are our future. Let's take things into our hands. Let's be accountable and hold others accountable. How can we vote properly if we don't know what's really going on? How can we really make the best vote with a dollar if we don't know what's really good? We could never be the best citizens we can be if we don't know what we don't know. That's the whole point, the intention of this podcast. To help make us a better voter, a better citizen, a better student, a better lifelong learner. Now I understand that a whole lot of us, oh, buku, beaucoup, um, B-E-A-U-C-O-U-P, by the way, buku of us have daily survival to worry, to worry about. Feeding children is at the forefront of our thoughts. Keeping the lights and water on, keeping crime rates down, or avoiding being a victim is our first, second, and third priority. I know you probably feel like the earth's got to get in where it fits in, baby, but I'm here to tell you well hmm. I'm here to help you change your mind just a little bit because let me ask you this if well no when the city drowns as we continue to sink how will the tourists be able to fly in to pump money into our economy huh what you asked oh they're gonna take an airboat oh all right that's what I thought let me run you a fact New Orleans is a city of a population of roughly 400,000 and we bring on average 10 million visitors annually. And if I'm not mistaken, we just recently began to put some of that money towards coastal protection and education. I forget which one it is. But I know it took too dang on long for it to be the case. But I'm going to take what I can get. Sometimes it's time to move beyond surviving. I don't know about you, but I'm ready to thrive, my love. I'm ready to see my city thriving. Forget what you heard. And this isn't just talk, I'm really about this life. Who remembers when the World Fair came to the city? Hmm. I asked your mama and your papa. Another mentionable experience I had uh, was attending the GNOF Greater New Orleans Foundation Urban Water Series. And then later participating in the emerging philanthropists of New Orleans. It tripped me out like no other when I learned that the water, well, you know, that water, you know, that overpass by Suno and UNO, right there by the, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. The water that pools up over there is actually not rainwater a lot of the time. Rather, it's saline water. You know what that means? That means it's not necessarily due to rain events and flooding. It's due to groundwater seeping up from underground, up through the concrete, y'all. We're not just fighting coastal erosion, but also subsidence. So we're flooding while we're sinking. Lord Jesus, Our Lady of Promptsucker Sucker, hasten, hasten, help us, please. We're basically not on land. We basically live on thick water at this point. The city is predicted to be underwater by 2100, the year 2100. If nothing changes, not just us, other cities too. Some of us will be alive to see it. So yeah, I'm gonna need you. I'm gonna need you to care, just a lead, bit more about the things I'm gonna share on this podcast, honey. And I will inform you of the organizations that are doing the good work. I'll empower you with the knowledge. But what you do with it is on you. Oh, and the generations to come after you. So please don't be selfish. As I already mentioned, I'm very from here. I'm at least a seventh generation native. And maybe you already knew this, but in a Native American culture, they don't just plan ahead for tomorrow. They don't make a 10-year plan. Rather, they ask themselves, what will the impact of my actions today be seven generations from now? That's how they operate culturally and philosophically. And New Orleans just had its 300 year birthday. It's going to have what? Another 100 more? You know the city is older than you the United States. The oldest neighborhood in the United States is, is the Treme. Go ahead and Google it. I'm going to wait. So while we're old or classic or vintage, we are not obsolete. Speaking of obsolete, there's such a thing as planned and perceived obsolescence. This means that products or goods are designed to work up until a certain point. The other means that we have a product that works for a good long time, but then we grow bored of it for whatever reason. And thus we then replace it with something unnecessarily. An example of this is an Apple product. Let's take the iPhone. I'm convinced that iPhones, at least the older ones, were made or programmed to stop working after a certain number of years. Planned obsolescence. Perceived obsolescence would be something like, mm, going to get the latest iPhone even though the one you have works perfectly fine. It's almost like forced consumerism. Like Hall and Oates said, I can't go for that. No can do. Mm-mm. I can't go for that. Because what that, what that does is it forces us to participate in the linear economy rather than the circular economy. What's that, you ask? Well, the linear, linear economy is the take-make-waste model simple single-use items that mm, I guess are maybe like plastic that's an example the circular economy means that the items that went into a product could be reconstructed to make other products an example well this is a poor example but even if you take your grocery bag and make that a trash can liner you're participating in the circular economy a better example would be say you have a car that just stopped running all of a sudden. And it's not fixable. You can't really do anything with it. Maybe you're not able to get it towed in somewhere for whatever reason. Say you're a creative person and you took the parchment vehicle to make a ladder. To maybe you take the, the tires off and you cut it up and make it into mulch. Maybe you take the leather out of the seats and repurpose it onto another. Look, there's a lot of ways that we can participate in the circular economy. This is just me giving you examples. We need to, we must move towards the circular economy as well as regenerative design and economics. We must hold on to items and get as many safe uses out of it as we can. We need to keep unnecessary items out of landfills because that's what's leading to polluted bodies of water and polluted air. All of the positive and negative impacts I've mentioned are amplified by other factors. The IPAT equation says or states that impact is equivalent to population times affluence times technology. And I argue that planetary health is economic health, is human health. I'm Tai Tai, the Bayou Bay, and thank you for visiting my waterway. I appreciate you listening to the first episode of my podcast, and I look forward to sharing more with you.